0: I'm back with another episode of Two Guys and a Penguin. I am Joe Navisky, one of the co-hosts, here with my boy Logan Little. How you doing today, Logan?
1: Doing really well. Doing really well. Had our first pot of fall chili last oh, night oh, yeah,
0: and uh, ready for some October football. Yes, sir. It's the it's best time of year. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner, uh, which means we are in the thick of it for the NFL season. Um, so we're back talking some more NFL uh, football week is underway Um, two days ago was the Thursday night football game uh, Dolphins Bengals and then we have another slate of football coming tomorrow but um, we're just gonna jump right in talking uh, the biggest headline of the week it'll probably remain the biggest headline of the week even after uh, tomorrow's games are done and that was Tua Tagovailoa going down in the Thursday night football game against the Bengals um, if you have social media or if you're not living under a rock, you probably heard that uh, Tua left the game uh, towards the end of the second quarter with a pretty scary head injury. Um, he kind of uh,
1: well, this is coming off
0: of a what the team called a back injury on Sunday, but it did look like he hit his head as well, so kind of coming off of a concussion a little, a little soon. Um, he was questionable to play this game, but ended up playing anyways, and then went down with a pretty nasty hit. Um, and instantly you could tell his, his body like numbed up basically. Um, uh, if you saw with his hands kind of like locking up, that's just, uh, I had to look this up. It's called the fencing response. And that is basically an indication of severe head trauma, like instantly. So, uh, probably. He probably won't be back for a while. This, I mean, in some cases, this has been like a career-ending injury for some players. Um, I don't know if you remember that game last year with um, the Chargers and the Chiefs, where Donald Parm went down in the end zone and he like his arms like clenched yep. up. Yeah, kind of as a scary injury, uh, sort of like that. Um, yeah, it was kind of it was scary stuff. He got carted off, um, went straight to the ER actually got released a few hours later which is kind of concerning i feel like you know he might not be ready but either way he he uh, had um full motion of his extremity so he seems to be in stable condition um technically he could return <laughs> week five there's but no chance not gonna there's happen. no chance
1: they let him go which out.
0: mathematically there. he could but um yeah, there's kind of a concern. Uh, did the Dolphins, you know, bring him back too soon? Did they try to cover it up by calling a back injury? I'm wondering uh, what your thoughts are on this uh, this little controversy we have with the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, the play last week—I don't know if you saw last week—he was like running down the field and just fell down, uh, yeah. and it seemed like it was like a. They, I think they labeled it like a back strain or something. I feel like this probably did aggravate whatever happened last week, but I don't think it was anything nefarious on behalf of the Dolphins. I think it's just he felt fine, probably he looked fine, no nothing on the scans, and so they ran him out there. Probably hindsight twenty twenty, they shouldn't have done it, but yeah, um, hindsight's always. We'll we'll see. uh, You know, hopefully he'll be okay. Um, It's really good news that he has use of his extremities because for a second there, when I first saw it, I was like, ooh, like. Brian, paralyzation Brian is, a, is a potentially here. Uh, potential here. So yeah. uh, thankfully that did not happen. We'll see how long it takes him to come back. Um, I think in my opinion, I'm not a medical expert by any means, but like if I see something like that, I'm like, give the guy at least like two to three weeks yeah. at least. Like just to get him
0: mentally back right after a terrifying moment that um, I think I heard towards the end of the game or uh, in the post game, uh, they said um, they got a report that Tua, Tua um, asked the, I don't know, the doctors or the, the medical staff, like, what happened on that play. So he completely got wiped out on that, uh, on that play. Um, so he doesn't even have memory of what happened. So, mm. I mean, that's, like, a clear indication. No matter what, you got to give this guy some time to just let his brain heal because as a quarterback, you're, you're going to take at least one more hit like that. Uh, made it not, not like that, but you're going to get sacked or something to where you just don't want to mess around with the head or the neck. So, um, yeah, thankfully it wasn't a paralyzation. Um, yeah, I was getting flashbacks to Ryan Shazier on that one play where instantly his body just died. And, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, thankfully he's not paralyzed, but, um, it brings up the question, like, can the NFL do better or is this kind of thing just unavoidable? Like, I know we've been seeing more and more of the, the league trying to protect its quarterbacks, but I think this more comes down to an unavoidable injury as well as, you know, the the internal medical staff on each team doing a better job of evaluating its players. But can the NFL do anything differently or is this kind of thing just part of, part of the game?
1: I mean, I think it's just kind of part of the game. I would say even more broadly than that, it's just a part of life. I mean, yeah. In any profession, there's you know, I mean, well, any active profession, I'll say, uh, you have a potential to get injured. You know, if you're a roofer, you can fall off a roof. You know, right. and so yes, football is by nature pretty. It's a contact sport. It's like aggressive and violent. Uh, so there's always potential for someone to get hurt like this. I don't think it's something that the NFL really can avoid at all times i mean they've already made a lot of rule changes to protect defenseless receivers and quarterbacks and you know they they call flag throw flags really quickly on helmet to helmet contact now um, even a few years ago people were getting lit up like they aren't now yeah um so i mean and i know some people i am also one of them who are like sometimes i think they throw those flags too much but then you see something like this and you're like oh okay well, it makes sense yeah, so, yeah. it's it's, um it's t- it's a balancing yeah, act it's a balancing act and i don't think this is or, yeah. right and i don't think this is something you can avoid totally because i mean as tragic as it is it is pretty few and far between when we see something this uh drastic um and again it, it could happen anywhere at any time you know you could get in a yeah. car accident and lose uh use of your like legs it's yeah it's yeah. You take on risk in right. any in any aspect of life. Yes. You are taking on risk being a quarterback in the NFL, and so you're also getting paid like a tremendous amount of money to take on to that take risk. On the risk. I'm not saying that. that makes it okay to no. like just be paralyzed, but it is like you know if you're weighing the risk reward, yeah. it's you're doing pretty well for you yourself. You gotta you gotta take you gotta take it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's
0: it's it's always oof, it always brings you back to reality when when you see that it's like you don't even care about the rest of the game like right away because you're worried is yeah. <laughs> he going to be paralyzed but
1: yeah i had a uh, when i was playing high school football we had a uh, a situation in practice like this where our quarterback was supposed to pick up a unblocked defensive end um which uh, i don't, don't understand <laughs> why that would ever happen but high school oh, football shoot. is a different animal uh you want to see some hits that's really where they have in high school <laughs> football but anyway so we ran the same play like three times in a row and uh, the defensive end was just pounding our quarterback because he thought it was funny. That's After correct. the third hit, uh, he just went down hard, went unconscious when he woke up, didn't know his name, didn't know the date. Oh, gosh. And everybody was just like, like <laughs> it took on a whole different, like, oh, my yeah. gosh. And uh, he ended up being okay, Went took him to the hospital. He just had a concussion, and he re- he's recovered and everything. But uh, that was frightening. That was frightening. So, yeah, it is. It is. I can't, And we left. Practice was over after that. Like the coaches just sent us home. So oh, I, that was I, practice. Yeah, it was practice. Oh, yeah, practice. So um, I can't imagine uh, what this would be like in the NFL. Yeah, it, like it definitely brings you back
0: to reality and reminds you, oh, this is this is just a game or just a job for them. So it's never it's never fun seeing that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty unavoidable. You don't want to ruin the game of football by making it. You know, you can't even touch making it flag football or anything. Um, It's just part of the game. So anyways, uh, let's get right into uh, week four of the NFL season. We'll start with a quick recap of what went down week three. Uh, Another big upset, uh, probably probably the biggest upset of the week was the Chiefs versus the Colts. Um, Colts with a big upset after getting shut out by the Jags the week before, um, came away with the win against the Chiefs, 20 to 17, uh, on the final drive for the Chiefs with a chance to tie or win it. Uh, Mahomes actually threw a pick and that sealed it for the Colts. Uh, Mahomes just a 57% completion percentage, one touchdown and that pick on the final drive. Um, I guess this is uh, the question: Is is this more of a fluke win for the Colts and a fluke loss for the Chiefs, or is this uh, is there more to it? And uh, are the are more types of these losses in the future
1: for the Chiefs? Is this not is this not going to be the only one? No I, I don't think it's a like a trend that we're gonna see as with the Chiefs. I think I think the Colts are probably going to be better than what they performed against the Jaguars. Yeah uh, they'll get it figured out a little bit more especially on defense. Um, how the Chiefs they're still gonna be a good team, really good team. I think they are starting to feel a little bit of the absence of Tyree kill if they go up against For a sure. good defense. Uh, they're gonna see that a little bit more clearly. Um, however, I think the the more concerning thing for the Chiefs is that uh, they pretty much have absolutely no rushing attack whatsoever. Yeah. So. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire seven rushes for zero yards, <laughs> and uh, a rushing touchdown still came away with fourteen point nine fantasy points somehow. I'm telling you, sell Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, and then I I just saw a video of, like Jerick McKinnon like yelling at teammates on the sideline about like not getting holes opened or yeah. like his offensive linemen. None so um, overall, I think that's concerning for the chiefs without Tyreek Hill, if They don't have a ground game. Um, they're going to have to come a little bit more creative. I don't think uh, they're going to be like necessarily the powerhouse that we've seen before. So, uh, but I don't think it's going to be something that they're going to like continue to lose games like this. So yeah. we'll have to see, see what happens. I, I think it does raise a little bit of a yellow flag for the chiefs. I mean, after they played the Cardinals, I think everyone was like, Oh, they're, they're the same team, maybe even better without yeah, Tyreek yeah. Hill. They're the best team in the NFL. And I don't think that's true, but I think they'll still, you know, glide to the playoffs and do well.
0: Yeah. But they, I mean, they'll lose a few
1: games along the way.
0: With Andy Reid and Mahomes, they're, they're going to get creative. They're going to have to get creative. Um, they're clearly spacing the ball out with who they pass to. Like backup running backs are getting multiple receptions a game. Uh, I think number one on the depth chart is technically Juju for a receiver. And So far, he has six receptions, three receptions, and five receptions. So they're – and Mahomes still is having a pretty solid uh, start to the season, So, aside from this game. But they're going to have to get creative on the passing attack because teams aren't going to respect them on the ground, uh, as they really haven't um, in past years. So I think the big – a big thing for the Colts is if they want to see this kind of success Mm -hmm. continue – uh, I don't know if success, but if they want to continue to have an efficient offense, they have to give Jonathan Taylor the ball. I've been saying this, not just because I have a fantasy, <laughs> but because the stats don't lie. Uh, in 2021, games where the Colts gave it to Jonathan Taylor at least 20 times, they went 7-3. and three. When he got the ball less than 20 times, they went 2-5. and five. Uh, And in those games where he got at least 20 times, if he got the ball at least 25 times, they went 5-0. and oh, So... Clearly, he's their best player. He will be their best player for a while until they get a legitimate quarterback. They've just been cycling. Old has-been quarterbacks, and it, it, they've been decent, but they have not seen the, the success they've been looking for. Um, yeah, the, they have to give Jonathan Taylor the ball. Um, and, yeah, the Chiefs have to figure out their rushing attack. Um, Chiefs still with a top ten offense and defense, so I think this is definitely would be considered a fluke loss. Um, but like 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 we like you said, they're gonna have to figure out um, how to get the ball into the hands of their playmakers. Because I mean, Travis
1: Kelsey is probably their only one right now. Yeah. Um, I think they have to figure out who their playmakers are. Yeah, I'm I'm still holding. I think we see Isaiah Pacheco take over the backfield by the end of the year. I, I drafted yeah. him in a couple of fantasy leagues. He had a good first week and then he hasn't really done much since then. But I'm telling you what, someone's got to be able to run the football. Yeah. And Clyde Ever is not, not the guy. No, it's not him. He's he's been looking better in the receiving game. I will say that. But uh as far as I mean, he he just he he does not have the size or the cutting ability to make something out no, of No, yeah. He needs he needs one or the other. And uh honestly, I want to see them use
0: Sky more a little more. Uh he's got the speed they they want. Um, kind of a Tyreek Hill replacement in that sense he's just been a return guy at, at this point just run some jet sweeps, some end arounds something with him uh just to get some, just to get things going but at the end of the day Andy Reid knows what he's doing so yeah um yeah that's Chiefs Colts right. and
1: then next game next game we're going to just recap real quick is the Bills versus the Dolphins mm-hmm. uh Interesting wow. game. I think it really didn't go how we expected. Of course, with the Dolphins coming away with a twenty to seventeen win. Um, or no, what was the final score? Twenty uh, it was, uh, to nineteen. Twenty yes. to nineteen because of the because of the safety. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just a little bit of interesting gameplay there with uh the bill not getting in uh time to set up the the field goal for the win 21-19. The 21 19 21 19 yep 21 uh and you know i don't know i don't know if the dolphins are good I, I think the bills the bills will be fine i think they have to learn how to win one score games i think that's yeah. going to be important for their playoff hopes uh but the Dolphins showed that they can play with anyone i know they lost last night after Tua went down but um I think if two is healthy, they can they can play with anyone. Uh, yeah, Mike McDaniel's is looking at like a good hire as head coach. Uh, what's really surprising to me is that Josh Allen went uh, forty-two for sixty-three, which good gracious, sixty-three passing <laughs> attempts uh, for four hundred yards and two touchdowns with no picks, and they only scored nineteen points. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know, know how that's how that happened. I don't know special teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, the Dolphins, you know, they also limited their the Bills rushing. Um, they basically eliminated that from the equation. That's why Josh Allen threw it 63 <laughs> times. Uh, kind of did the same with the Bengals yesterday. So the yeah, D the on the Dolphins is looking pretty good. Uh, looks like uh, the Brian Flores effect is still happening down there in yeah. Miami. Um, even though Mike McDaniels is definitely an offensive-minded head coach. So we'll see if that continues. Um, let's see. Some other interesting things to note is that Josh Allen completed passes to 11 different pass catchers, um, which is a really insane amount of yeah. pass catchers. I think Diggs only had six receptions.
0: might have been like four. I think it was six receptions. So essentially, intu- I think uh, Devin Singletary was the leading pass catcher. I think he had eight receptions that game. So really interesting uh, yeah. game plan there for the
1: Bills. I wonder... Coming in, did the Dolphins say if they beat us, they're going to have to beat us without Stefan Diggs because they just yeah. saw uh, Lamar take Mark Andrews you right. know, for like however many yards and a couple touchdowns and said if they beat us, they're not going to do it with their number one. I don't understand why yeah. more. And I'll say this: I don't understand why more teams don't do that, right? Like mm-hmm. if a team has um, Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is the prime example. I'm double teaming Cooper Cup every single play. I don't I care what it shoot. costs me. I don't yeah. care if they rush for 150 yards. Cooper Cup is not going to beat me. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know, you have to eliminate the number one person that the other team wants to get the ball on their hands.
0: And you know, that's the Bill Belichick
1: formula. He just started that. Yeah. Every
0: Every team that would go in would be like, okay, he's going to take away our best option, so we need to figure out our second best option. And now you see more and more coaches being like, yeah, we're not, we're going to get beat. But we're not going to get beat by Cooper Cup or yeah. you know Tyree Kill. So that's uh that's that's the winning formula. And you saw with the Patriots. I mean, they <laughs> never really lost a long, lost. long, long time <laughs> so, doing uh, that. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the winning formula. Um, one more quick thing. Um, with the Bills defense, they they showed they can hold up against even a good offense. Um, this defense looks like they're ready to repeat in the success of last year. So uh held the dolphins to 41 rushing yards and 186 passing yards. So I like the Bills going forward, even against good offenses. From a fantasy standpoint, that's actually a really good sign, too. Um, Don't be afraid to start them, uh, regardless of matchup. Um, And then, of course, the butt punt. um, Iconic uh, Mark Sanchez with the the butt fumble, and now the Dolphins with the butt punt. Uh, I remember watching that, and I was like, I have no idea what happened. And then the replay, literally smack on his butt. (laughs) It was honestly incredible. I don't know how that
1: happened. Yeah, you know, another high school football story. I was once uh, our the guy who's typically the, the the back defender right there or blocker um, right in front of the punter. He had gotten hurt earlier in the game, and so I got thrown back there. And we were punting from our own end zone, and uh, the punter punted it right into my back and oh, really? went straight up in the air. I caught it, ran it three yards out of the end zone, and then got tackled. So <laughs> uh, it was kind of fun, honestly, because I had the ball. Um, I don't know how you didn't but... get obliterated to catch that well yeah well i think everyone was like focused on well half of the defense that started running backwards to go block for the punt return. right so it was all confusing <laughs> um anyways yeah what punt. a wild play yeah. afc east has a lot of great they but <laughs> punt, but things. When, when,
0: you, when you get the jets in your division you know crazy things are gonna happen yep but um yep that was bill's dolphins and those were the two big games for week three uh, so now we're going to get into uh, a, our, main, our main segment, which is kind of talking some fantasy football strategy at this point in the season. Uh, we've got a little bit of a sample size with each position. Um, we've seen certain players rise and fall in their value. It's been a, honestly, it's it's been one of the more wild fantasy seasons of the last few years in terms of players you would have never expected to, to go off and uh, big names that are just kind of falling from their value at the start of the season. Uh, namely that um, two of the top 10 running backs right now are Khalil Herbert and Cordero Patterson. Yes. Um, I don't think anyone expected, and Chris McCaffrey is outside of the top 10, even though he's played the first three games. Yeah. So some interesting interesting things are happening. So I'm sure every all the fantasy managers out there are just very confused at, as to what to do now with their team. Um, depending on certain circumstances, whether you know, you're know you struggling with injuries or you have players that are kind of falling off or you have a plethora of players with high value and want to make a trade. So we're just going to go through some of the uh, various scenarios um, and strategies that we find tend to work in our, in our fantasy experience uh, to try to help you out with some of these situations. So I want to start with uh, quarterback talk. Now, fantasy quarterbacks, That's it It really depends on how your league is set up. We uh, personally have like a, a pretty standard ESPN league with uh, just one quarterback, no super flex. Um, super flex being pretty much any player except the defense and a kicker. Um, so it's really just the one quarterback, and uh, there is a decent amount of parity with quarterbacks in fantasy, but not enough to where You want to sell out for a quarterback but my question is would you ever trade for a quarterback now just to give some idea of the the parity as of right now um with fantasy quarterbacks lamar jackson currently leads all quarterbacks with 102 points and the number 10 qb is trevor lawrence with 57 so that is an additional 15 points per matchup so, so far this season would you say it's worth trading for a Lamar or maybe an Allen? Um, maybe giving up your RB, RB two, wide two, or maybe you know your wide receiver one, RB one, to get a, an elite quarterback like that? Do you think? It, do you think it's worthwhile at this point in the season?
1: Um, I do, which is surprising because I typically That's am i am yeah. uh, a no quarterback type of player in fantasy football. I've always waited to take a quarterback into late in the round. Uh, or late in the rounds in the draft. Um, and that typically works. Um, this year has been just a little interesting because uh, if we look at last year, uh, the top pre- performing fantasy quarterback was Josh Allen with 402 points. Um, then you go down, you got Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow. There's a lot of people kind of after Josh Allen that were pretty close. Um mm-hmm. And you had some people who have been household names in the NFL for a long, long time. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, who just this year have not been performing. So if you waited on a quarterback into the later rounds um, and took like an Aaron Rodgers or took a Tom Brady or even Dak Prescott, obviously, with him being injured, your quarterback play has been uh, Mm -hmm. subpar subpar to start the season. So for me, I had Aaron Rodgers this year. And knew it was going to be a little iffy with his pass catchers. Um, but now I've had to stream Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins two different weeks. And Carson Wentz is actually like I think QB seven right now season. Um, but they're those like there's quarterbacks that you don't want to start them week to week, right? Like I'll start Carson Wentz if he's got a good matchup, but I'm not starting him this week against Dallas when he just got sacked nine times last week against the Eagles. So Um, you know, if you can trade for a quarterback, I'm not opposed to it. I don't think you get a job I don't think anyone's trading Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson or, or Jalen Hurts, probably. They're just not gonna do it unless you give up our RB one, which I wouldn't do. Um RB's are slim. So they're so slim. So I mean like but if you could if you could swing a I don't know, a Joe Burrow from someone, a uh Mahomes even. I mean I yeah. can't
0: see his ceiling being what it used to be at this point.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, there's some other people, like um, Justin Herbert, maybe. But it's it's so, like, if you look at the fantasy rankings, like, there's just people in the top ten that you just don't really trust. Like, number 11, Jared Goff. Number 12, Derek Carr. Number 13, Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So, it's it's been a really weird season. I think it's going to equalize. I think Brady, Rodgers, they're going to get it figured out still. So, um, it depends on how bad, like, where your quarterback's at, like, you know, if you can trade for one, but I'm not giving up a ton of value to do it. But if you yeah. if you have the opportunity, I don't mind it. I think
0: quarterbacks are similar to tight ends in that kind of I mean, this is somewhat of a small sample size so far, um, kind of halfway through the season. We'll see. But anything outside, I don't know, the top 13 falls off pretty hard, kind of like tight ends outside of the top five um so if you have someone like outside of the top 13 like halfway through the season i think it's definitely worth trading into the top 10. um if someone has a a lot of teams have two quarterbacks on their team inside the top 10 so you might be able to get their bench player i think that's absolutely worth giving up maybe your flex and a wide receiver two or, or something to that extent um because there there is a, there is a fall off um at a certain point but yeah, I've never been of the mindset to trade for a quor- quarterback unless you have depth. Uh, if you can give up some bench players for like a top ten, a tenth ranked quarterback, I, I yeah. say that's worth doing if you get an yeah. upgraded quarterback. So, um, and now I want to talk about some of the some of the big names this year that have either fallen or risen in value. Some that have actually risen in value, and I actually don't know if I would say this guy has even risen in value, but. Uh, the four, the four big names this year in fantasy drafts were Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson. For the most part, uh, some people might've taken Jamar Chase in the top five, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, but these are the, these are the big four names. And, um, initially I had wrote that Cooper Cup has risen in value, but I would say he, he has stayed the same, maybe slightly gone down. Uh, the only reason I said maybe Risen in value is relative to the other the other guys that have seemed to have yeah. fallen off. Uh, Cooper Cup had over 31 points in the first two games, but um, he had a uh, sub-20 last week, which for him is like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, all four of these guys have kind of fallen in value. Um, Justin Jefferson had two straight weeks, I think, under 10 points, so... Uh, are this you con- fantasy season has been very strange. It's been very, it's been very unpredictable. Um, honestly, the draft this year has almost been like a luck of the draw. Like the late rounds have been the key rounds, as yeah. honestly every year it's always the late rounds. But what would you do with the Jonathan Taylor, Chris McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, or Justin Jefferson? Would you would you sell high now or hold out that they're going to have repeat years of last year?
1: I think it depends on what the rest of your team looks like. That's uh, very true. Which is always kind of the case. But like if you've got Cooper Cup and the rest of your team is underperforming, um, I think you trade him. I think you trade him for depth. you uh, trade him now or hope his value rises even more? I think he right now he's probably the number one like yeah. sought after player in the in the league, besides maybe Stefan Diggs. I think he's actually the top. Diggs, but yeah. um yeah, I, I'm not opposed to trading him now. Um because here's like if you have Cooper Cup scoring twenty five points a week, or you can get two players, uh, uh, say another running back and another receiver who score fifteen points each a week, then that's thirty points versus twenty five points. So I know it takes up two spots in the lineup, but if the rest of your team is just not doing well week to week and you can't really trust them, you know you get you gotta you have to be willing to. Kill the golden calf, so to speak, Um, which is so much easier said than done. Because I like not, I won't do it myself. You you do, (laughs) and every week you talk yourself into thinking, uh, "Man, this is the week that they bounce back. This is the week it comes together." But at some point you have to realize that, especially I think right now we're at the point in the season, week four, where after this week things have stopped being flukes and have become trends. Yeah. Um, So like you've got, let's take an obvious example: DJ Moore for the Carolina Panthers uh drafted relatively high probably within the top five rounds in most leagues Mm -hmm. um expected to play well be the top target for baker mayfield who was supposed to come in and be a lot better at quarterback than um sam Darnold was last year really not has not happened panthers maybe be maybe the worst offense in the nfl outside of chris mccaffrey they're not getting the ball to dj Moore very often If something doesn't change this week and they have changed their offensive philosophy and said, let's get the ball to DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey all the time, let's just put it in their hands. I'm like, you just can't trust DJ Moore. Like, you know, it's like you're not going to continue to start him. And I think it's kind of dissimilar. Now, these four guys in particular, I think we'll still bounce back fine. I think Jonathan Taylor, like you said, they're going to realize at some point, if we want to win games, we've got to give them the ball. Yeah. I think Christian McCaffrey is the same way. If, they, if Carolina wants to win games, if Matt Rule wants to keep his job, they got to get involved. the ball. Now, I will jump
0: in real quick. With Christian McCaffrey, he's had – Great yardage, great stats. He just hasn't really found. He found the end zone once, I think. Yeah, so Yeah, yeah.
1: Which I mean, that's also partly because Carolina scored like two offensive touchdowns all year. Yeah, so it, it's it like, all falls on Baker Mayfield' yeah. inefficiency on offense. So yeah, so that's because I mean, you can't run it. Just you can't drive ninety-five yards with only running. Just Christian Kett. Um, and so yeah, he he'll be fine. And then Justin Jefferson. Um, I don't know the the. I think the Vikings' offense isn't as vaunted as maybe we thought preseason kevin o'connell coming in yeah. but i think maybe they're still figuring it out um if davin cook stays healthy and they spread the ball a little bit more uh to adam Thielen or smith i think that drives justin jefferson up because i think right now what teams are doing is saying justin jefferson is not going to beat us exactly uh kind of like we were talking about earlier and if you have to, if you have other playmakers which they do that you get the balls to then Teams can't do that as much. I think that's why we're seeing an, a,
0: a slight uptick in Adam Thielen's value. Uh, week one and two, he's pretty much irrelevant. And now, so I had six receptions, sixty plus yards, and a touchdown. Um, and that's the that's the Justin Jefferson effect. Of you know, if you can't win with JJ, you got it. You got to you got to come up with other options. So, yeah, I it's always t- like I picked Ceedee Lamb this year because I was it was so tempting because he's like the biggest playmaker on what was one of the high, most high-powered offenses last year. But uh, without Amari Cooper, that actually has the reverse effect. Even though you're not competing for as many targets, the offense just runs less efficient. So that can be a tempting trap to fall into. Um, similar with Cooper Cup, but they've still found a way to get him the ball all the time, despite him being by far the best playmaker on that team. So uh, I think we're – are we saying you're you're holding out hope? For, for these four guys, you're not jumping the trade unless your team is really. So I'd I'd say if you're zero and three right now, and you, if you have one of these guys, do not. I'd put them on the trade block and see what's out yeah. there. I, I think, think that's it, what
1: I'm saying. if at this point, especially after this next week, um, I think tomorrow will determine a lot of things. But if you find yourself like either zero and four, one and three, two and two, but really haven't scored that many points, yes, that's point. I think you. I mean. I know me personally. I'm I'm zero three in our league right now, and if I lose this week, I'm gonna, I'm literally probably going to try and change my entire team just because it's like there's no reason why to. why would I stick on yeah. a sinking ship? Um, except is, for pride, which which is uh, which is powerful. So not as powerful as me. <laughs> no, it's not. So you know, I I think um, yeah, I say trade them if you can. If your if your team, I mean, it's it's again, it's depend on your team, right? Like we can't say what everybody's team looks I, like, but um, I, I, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: transition this into my what was my next question, and, and that's what what would you say is more important, having depth or being very top heavy?
1: Um, I think that depth. uh I think. Well, it depends on like. I think it. Oh man, that that's a tricky question. I, I, I think I know what I would say. say. But, I, I, yeah, go for it. I,
0: I think I would go the route of top heavy. It ha- holds more weight in fantasy than depth. Um, and I will honestly point to your team as the explanation. You, ha- you have been, ext- you have, you have, you're very deep at running back. Um, you have two or three, well, at one point you had two or three uh, bench running backs, uh, running backs on your bench that could have been another team's RB2. Um, and then week after week, you're rotating running backs. You never know who's going to pop necessarily. You end up choosing the wrong one. And then you're just sitting with all these running backs that you could trade for, you know, some other – some. you can package them and get an actual starter week after week. Um, and it's really those those big name, the Cooper Cups, the Jonathan Taylor's last year at least, um, that really drive wins in fantasy week after – consistency and high-powered scoring yeah. is what really wins – like you're not going to win week after week scoring 110 points uh, by having a consistent you know 20 point quarterback 12 12 10 10 yeah like very solid consistent you have depth you have the same guys on your bench but you don't have the high powered guys that are going to put you at 150 you
1: yeah. know, ppr um yeah you want that's would my- I'd, I'd say yeah i'd say you want your team to be well balanced so if, say if you have cooper cup but then your starting running backs are jeff wilson and chase edmonds <laughs> you might want to switch things up but like if you have just a lot of decent players on your bench, which is kind of what my team is like it, you're not really looking great. Cause like it feels good. Cause you have a yeah. bunch of people scoring like 12 to 15 points, but you don't know which one's going to do it that week. And so then you guess wrong. Or if everyone scores 12 and the other teams, wide receiver one scores 50, 40, like Tyree kill or something, mm-hmm. then you know, you're kind of at a loss anyways. So, I think that you have to have people who can score a lot of points. Um, yeah, I mean, especially if you're playing PPR, receivers are like primo, like because they can just drive scores so quickly. Like mm-hmm. if they catch ten passes for a hundred yards, that's twenty points. Like that's as opposed to rushing a hundred yards, yeah. and only it's only ten points. Yeah. yeah, so that's why
0: we uh, will will never. I don't know what the word is we will we will always stand by standard over ppr me and logan um, yes i think uh, maybe half point ppr makes a little more sense but full ppr i don't know I'm not a huge fan um the scores are nice but the the uh, the balance across the league is a little too heavy on the on the receivers so um and then the last thing i kind of just wanted to rant um obviously uh you can jump in here um, on how to play defenses in fantasy. Now, honestly, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a, a dancing act, streaming defenses in fantasy. Uh, I think we're both of the of the streaming side of things rather than running with one defense uh, the entire season. But I think a lot of times people focus so much on the matchups, playing bad offenses that you forget that bad defenses are still bad. And I will point to last week, the Raiders, um, you might have thought, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find my notes here. Um, You might have, uh, oh yeah, so the Titans have been a bottom 10 offense so far this season. So typically you would, you know, you'd stream a defense against it. However, if you chose the Raiders last week, you would have only net two points. Whereas last week, the Bills played a high powered Dolphins offense. Bills have one of the best defenses in the NFL and you still would have come away with four more points because the Bills defense scored six points against the Dolphins. So I think going Matt, I think you need to tread lightly with matchups. Don't start a bad defense just because they're playing, you know, the jets or the Texans. Um, And at the same time, you have to understand that this is a small sample size so far through three weeks. I think you have to take defensive fantasy rankings with a grain of salt. Um, Like, for example, right now I'm starting the Chargers against the Texans. Uh, Chargers defense is statistically very middle of the pack, but in terms of fantasy rankings, they're ranked 27th right now. And that's just because uh, they kind of got blown up by the Jags last week. A good offense, but um, there's just not enough data to... Uh, eventually, the rankings will get smoothed out, and you know the Chargers will end up like fifteenth. But uh, I think my philosophy is: if you have a top five defense on your team, and they're playing any offense outside of the top five, I'd say they're a, a safe play week after week. And I think the Bills against the Dolphins, uh, Dolphins, a top five defense even um, is a is an indicator of that. Um, and then top three fantasy defenses so far this year: the Bills, the Bucks, the Eagles. Uh, When playing teams outside of top five in offense, I've scored a whopping 17.8 fantasy points on average per game. So, honestly, when it comes to fantasy, good defenses are still the top dogs um, in fantasy. Tread lightly with, you know, really bad matchups, but um, be careful when choosing just, you know, a bad defense against a really bad offense. So that's uh, my take on fantasy defense's uh, strategy for this year and um, just our fantasy strategies as a whole so far in this NFL season. So we're just going to move right on to what we got right and wrong from last week, from week three in the NFL. Uh, Logan, let's start with what did you what did you get right and what did you get wrong from your predictions last week?
1: Yes, the old boom and bust uh, mm. last week. Um, So this is pre-Tua being injured, Uh, so all respect to Tua, but Mm. last week against the Bills, I projected a bust for him after he went off against the Ravens for one of the historically great games as a quarterback, and he scored just 11.4 points against a tough Bills defense. Uh, The Dolphins snuck by with the win, which is more important in real life, Mm. but Tua was definitely not a great fantasy option if you started him. If you score 11.4 points at the quarterback position, uh, you're going to be hurting. So yeah, for sure. uh, Tua definitely did not Good perform call. well. Uh, second call was a bust uh, Excuse me, a boom. Uh, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. Yes. I expected him to get more involved, and he had eight targets for six receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown uh, to score about I think it was 18 points or so. Uh, fantasy-wise, which was definitely a boom for what he had been doing the first mm-hmm. two weeks of the season. I expect that to see that continue this week. Um, and then the last one was Javante Williams, uh, a bust. Uh, the old Broncos offense still just not clicking ugly. on any level. So on ugly. any level are the Broncos looking good on offense. Yeah. Javante was held to just nine points. Uh, not, I mean, that's not terrible, but definitely not what you want out of your running back two. And the 49ers D is legit. They they pretty much blew uh, the Broncos running game up and uh, pr- pretty much blew the Broncos offense up. And I mean, you now given the Broncos did the same to the 49ers and it was a, just an ugly game. But uh, So those are the boom and busts you, uh, uh, were that you, we got uh, right. Were this you week. perfect
0: uh, on your boom and bust?
1: I was not perfect on my boom and bust. Uh, I also predicted uh, Joe Mixon to boom. Which Mm. he did not. He actually had his worst week of the season. Uh, And then Dallas Goddard for the Eagles also had a great game uh, against the Commanders, uh, the tight end there. Uh, One other person I will throw out there that I got semi correct is Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm. Um, He did have six catches for 60 some yards. Uh, So, fantasy wise, pretty. I mean, that's an okay game if you're you're playing PPR, again, which if you're not, he only scored six points, which seems more like fair. fair. But, anyways. (laughs) Uh, I said he's not going over a hundred, and he didn't, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't find the end zone. So played. I mean, still okay. You you'll take that, but uh, not what you had. What not what we had come to expect from yeah, Amon Yeah, so far this season. Uh, some good calls there. Uh, what I got right and
0: wrong on my bets last week. Uh, a few of them came just short. Um, not so much with the Colts, Colts chiefs game. I was right in that Kelsey did score a touchdown, but Jonathan Taylor came up 29 rushing yards short and the Colts ended up pulling the upset over the chiefs with the Browns versus Steelers same game parlay. So close. I've never, I've never come that close <laughs> for a same game parlay hitting, but, uh, Najee just needed 10 more receiving yards. I think I had. Uh, Nick Chubb at least 80 rushing yards plus a touchdown and Najee 40 rushing yards plus 15 receiving yards. So very close there. And then my three game money line parlay almost hit Titans barely snuck past the Raiders. Um, But the Falcons did beat the Seahawks and the Ravens smoked the Patriots. Um, And then, yeah, so those were the three bets for last week. Unfortunately they all lost, but you know, I have won so far this season. So yes, and
1: that's not bad odds. I mean, not you're, a, you're carrying still like pretty good win. Like you you're basically breaking even. even you're breaking point. even, uh, pretty close to it. Anyway, so uh, moving on. Favorite segment of the uh, week. Best segment of the week. Logan's Ooh. boom and bust. Uh, My gut.
0: Ow. The gut doctor. I I
1: doctor. Ring ring. <laughs> P- uh, gut doctor's calling. I uh, got some interesting calls for us here this week uh, on the boom and bust. And first one, let's go ahead and start off with quarterbacks for the week ahead. Number one, the boom for quarterbacks is Marcus Mariota Ooh, for the Atlanta Falcons going up against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the, uh, the Falcons' offense has been a lot better than advertised, I think we could say yeah. that. Um, they. They've been playing pretty well. Um, Drake London looks good. Kyle Pitts looked a lot better it's against lot the better. Seahawks. Um, Cordell Patterson has been running all over the place. Marcus Mariota has been efficient. And I expect him to actually have a really good game against Cleveland, and that's in part because Miles Garrett got into a car accident this mm-hmm. week, um, which he's uh, okay, thankfully. However, I, I'm doubting that he's going to play this week. And if he doesn't play, uh, the Cleveland – Defense is not going to be nearly what it has been, and Cleveland is allowing the. They are ranked 17th in passing yards per game, and so I think Mariota has himself a day here. Mm. Uh, and then my bust of the week is already mentioned a little earlier is Carson Wentz. Uh, didn't have a good game last week at all. Expect the same to continue. The Dallas defense is legit. Absolutely. I was I was actually Absolutely. expecting a lot of regression there. Yeah. Um, but no, they're good. Uh, they're good. Micah Parsons is good, and Carson Wentz was sacked nine times against the Eagles. Uh, Dallas leads the NFL with thirteen sacks. Yeah, so it's a it be, rest. It could be it right? could be ugly for the Commanders this yeah. weekend. I'm not starting Carson Wentz. I would stay away if you can. Uh, so that's my quarterback. Mark Smerido is boom. Carson Wentz is bust. Running backs, um, got a couple here for you uh, in the boom category. The first one is Khalil Herbert. Uh, David Montgomery is officially ruled out for the Bears. Khalil Herbert went off last week for oh, 157 yeah. yards and two touchdowns and was and did it very efficiently very. on 20 rushes. Yeah. So um, I think he's actually a really good running back, and I think that he, if he has a good week this week, he could take that starting job from David Montgomery. Um, and they're playing the Giants, who have been one of the worst teams against the rush this season. And uh but I think a lot of people have been projecting him this week. So the other person I have for us is Brees Hall. Nice. Brees Hall for the Jets playing against a Steelers defense, which is allowing 142 rushing yards per game and also 252 passing yards per game. Uh neither one of those is very good. Um and so I expect Brees Hall to take over from Michael Carter officially this week with Zach Wilson coming in. I think he's going to get a lot of work, and I think he's going to be running all over that Steelers defense. So, Brees Hall is my, as uh, one of, so two, two booms this week Khalil Herbert and Brees Hall. And my bust is Cordell Patterson, actually. Mm-hmm. So, let's it's go insane. back to that Falcons game. Though Cleveland has been bad against the past, they have been. Really good against the rush, uh, only allowing 83 rushing yards per game, which is good for seventh in the NFL. Um, And that's against uh, a run-heavy offense in the Steelers and uh, also the Panthers. So uh, they've been holding up pretty well so far, and I expect the same to continue. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the Falcons are going to be able to just feed Cordell Patterson like they have been. And I expect that... uh, the passing game is going to be working so well for him that Patterson is a bust. Mm-hmm. And so those are the running backs for the week. The wide receivers, uh, boom of the week, if he plays, uh, which right. is always a asterisk, but um, I expect he will, and that is Gabriel Davis, Gabe Davis. He, I heard he tweaked his ankle a little bit again at the beginning of the week, but I expect him to play. And he is playing against a really, really bad Ravens defense. A Ravens defense that is allowing the most fantasy points to wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, They just allowed maybe one of the best games of all time to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Um, Really quick. They They are
0: dead last in total defense. They've allowed 458 yards per game. The next lowest is the Vikings at 413.
1: Yes. They also just allowed like over 140 uh, yards to uh, Devontae Parker for the Patriots. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) Gabe Davis is going off this week. And my bust, my bust Uh Uh is Uh Mr. Cooper Cup. Uh, That is a bull take. Again, he's Cooper Cup, so I'm not saying he's getting zero points. He's going to score at least probably 10 points. But the 49ers defense is is legit they've allowed the third most fantasy point or third fewest fantasy points to uh, wide receivers this year Um, they rank near the tops in all defensive categories and um, they've played some decent uh, offenses so far and I expect that they are going to be one of those teams that says hey we're not going to lose by Cooper Cup and so Cooper Cup is my bust for the week and finally let's wrap it up with tight ends Boom, going back to the Atlanta-Browns game, and that is uh, the tight end David Njoku for the Browns. Atlanta is allowing second-most points to tight ends in the NFL um, so far this fantasy season, and they have not played teams that have great tight ends. Uh, they've played the Seahawks. They have played the Saints, and they have played the Broncos. Uh, the, no. Uh, Who was the other team that played? Either way, (laughs) uh, they they have not played teams with great tight ends. Uh, It's the Rams. Excuse Uh, me, the Rams. It was, yes, it was Saints week one, Rams week two, and Seahawks week three. Tyler Higby's okay. He's pretty good. But other than that, they have not played great tight ends, and they've allowed the second most points to tight ends this season. So uh, Joku's actually been playing really well. Uh, Jacoby Percet likes to get him the ball, and I expect that to continue for a boom this week. And my bust is George Kittle. Back to the mm. 49ers-Rams game. Rams are allowing the second fewest points to tight ends and the second most to wide receivers. So I think that is a recipe for George Kittle being shut down and for uh, maybe Debo, maybe Brandon Ayuk to go yeah. off. Uh, so I think they're going to get the ball to them. I think George Kittle didn't have a great game this past week. I expect that to be similar to... Uh, this coming week, and so yeah, uh, I think that's what we're gonna be looking at. Some, some big names things. in the in the bus column.
0: It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I like those calls. Uh, uh, nice and bold. That's how I like my calls. I do. You know, I never disappoint. No, the gut doctor has never <laughs> wrong. Which brings me to Joe's best bets of week four in the NFL. Uh, I got two big ones here. Uh, the first one is a money line parlay. I, Packers over the Patriots at minus 435. So I like a blowout just as an extra odds boost. Uh, Chargers over the Texans at minus 250. And then the Steelers over the Jets at minus 190. Kind of a safe chalk uh, money line parlay. But I like the odds on uh, these. And that's a plus 162 boosted odds. So uh i'm just gonna say i'm just gonna be very transparent i actually bet on this one so i'm putting my money where my mouth is for once (laughs) so if you want to join me uh go ahead and hit that parlay but i actually like this next one a little bit better and that same game parlay commanders at the cowboys going back to that cowboys defense um i have the cowboys with three or more sacks plus tony pollard uh having over 39 and a half rushing yards Plus, CD Lamb, anytime touchdown score for total odds of plus 425. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, Eagles sacked Washington nine times last week. And in addition to that, the Cowboys lead the NFL in sacks with 13. Uh, Carson Wentz has been sacked the second most amount of times at 15. Uh, Cooper Rush looks pretty solid and connected with CD a little bit last week, uh, getting that connection going. I think Michael Gallup might be back this week, which uh, helps spread things out for that Cowboys offense, allowing more opportunities downfield. And uh, Washington is tied for last for most passing touchdowns, touchdowns allowed. So I like CB getting some zone opportunities. And then Tony Pollard rushed for 105 last week. Uh, I expect them to use him more and more as the season progresses. He's uh, getting closer and closer to a 50-50 split with Zeke. Uh, and if the Cowboys get a lead, expect more action from Pollard. Uh, sort of game script on his side, so I like Pollard getting more involved. And that is my; those are my two best bets of the week. I like these, and I'm, uh, I have high hopes that they're both going to hit. So, again, uh, full disclaimer: don't blame me if you if you lose money. Um, we're also sponsored by DraftKings.
1: We are. And if you win, you do owe us a portion of your winnings. It is a 20%
0: cut. That's, it's pretty generous uh, on our ends. But, um, so that'll be Logan's boom and bust and Joe's best bets of the week. Now we're just going to take a quick 30-second ad break and be back for our rapid fire upsets for week four.
1: All right. Thanks for sticking with us. There, we are going to wrap up with our upsets of the week. Uh, last week, we actually ended up both missing our upsets, <laughs> yes. uh, so we were quickly we're went from two, two and zero oh to two and two. Uh, Joe picked the Lions over the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings, uh, which was actually they, the Lions should have won that game. The yeah. Vi- they allowed the Vikings to drive down the field that last drive that just way working. too rapidly. And the- but anyways, Lions beat the Vikings, and I picked Steelers over the Browns. And uh, the Browns, uh, they had a they had a comeback a little bit and uh, end up putting away in the second half. And so um, we both lost. So two let's see two. what we got uh, this week and make ourselves up to four, four and two. Four two, baby! Come on, let me hear it. What do you got? Uh, so for me, the first one, uh, I have the Jags over the Eagles. Uh, oh, that's a big one. It's a big one. Um, it's probably the, the boldest of the takes that you could have for the underdogs this week, actually, because the Eagles have looked good. Only undefeated, uh, team. Only undefeated team, but Philly is a six and a half point favorites over the Jags. Uh, Jags are allowing the seventh fewest yards per game um, and the fewest rushing yards per game in the wow. NFL. Uh, so if they can eliminate Philly's powerful rushing attack, uh, they have a good chance. They have a good chance because Philly has this kind of like Well, it's really like three-headed rushing attack. Jalen Hurts kind of like the primary, and then you got Miles Sanders, um, and you got Boston Scott, and also Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell. So um, they're kind of running the ball well, really well, actually. I think they have maybe the second or third highest rushing yards in the NFL behind like the Browns. But um, anyway, so if they can eliminate that and force Jalen Hurts to pass, which he has been a good passer this year, Mm -hmm. but if they can force him to do that, they have a chance. Um, a good chance, I would say, even. Um, plus, you know what? The world is just not going to allow Philly to be the only 4-0 team. Um, <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia does not deserve that <laughs> as, right. as a city. So uh, we're just hoping that the, Eagle, the, the Eagles lose this week. Um, but, man, Doug Peterson really has this Jags team playing well. They're playing lights out defense. Trevor Lawrence looking like a real talent again um and you know here's an interesting stat uh the Eagles have been one of the best teams against rush as far as rushing the passing passer this year again they sacked Carson Wentz nine times last year well Jacksonville has been one of the best teams against or as far as protecting their quarterback yes. they have only allowed two sacks all wow. year um so Trevor Lawrence has been protected well and I know a lot of people were you know kind of making fun of Jacksonville for some of their almost seemed at random offensive linemen signings this season uh, or this offseason. But, I mean, hey, it looks to have been working. Uh, James Robinson, again, continues to look good. Travis Etienne get a little uh, involved in the passing game. Christian Kirk looks good. Zay Jones look good. Uh, Marvin Jones, um, a lot of Joneses. Uh, and, <laughs> and even Josh Evan Allen Ingram. On um, defense. Yeah, and Josh, Josh Allen, Allen on defense. Uh, Trayvon Walker. Uh, number one pick has looked good. Um, they, they're they're a good team. I'm, I'm telling you right now, Jacksonville's a good team. I like them to win the AFC South. For sure. And uh, I think they beat the Eagles this week. Hmm.
0: I like that call. Jags look good. Eagles are going to have to hold their undefeated status. Uh, and Doug Peterson going in for his revenge game against the Eagles in Philly. So i my upset of the week it's uh, it's kind of a weird one there's not many games this week that i would consider possible that could be an upset but this one kind of caught my eye because the panthers are favored by one over the cardinals which is kind of surprising uh the panthers have a bottom three offense in terms of total yards baker has been incredibly inefficient uh he is second to last in completion percentage uh at four. 51.9%. That's terrible. That's really bad. Uh, if CMC is out, he is currently questionable. If he ends up out, I expect the Cardinals to have their way with the Panthers. Uh, and James Conner should be back. So expect uh, the Cardinals to control the flow of this game for the most uh, for the most part. So And, yeah, Cardinals just have the playmakers that Carolina really doesn't, aside from Chris McCaffrey. I mean, DJ Moore is an incredibly talented receiver on a bad offense. Um but the Cardinals are pretty deep. I mean, we've seen Greg Dortch step up and be one of the top targets on the Cardinals with uh, Rondell Moore and uh, DeHop um, currently sidelined. I think Rondell Moore should be back. Um, but And then Ertz has been one of the better tight ends in the league so far this year. So Cardinals have the options that Carolina really doesn't, especially without Chris McCaffrey. So I like the Cardinals over the Panthers. Technically, the Cardinals are the underdog in this game, so that would technically be an upset. And that, you know, is uh, let me let me jump in there one real quick
1: uh, <laughs> for the Cardinals because yes. I agree with you. I think I like the Cardinals over the Panthers. However, I just want to point this out because I hated on them a little bit last week, and I'm going to do the same here. Kyler Murray. I don't know if you saw. LaShawn McCoy uh, was on a podcast, old shady, and was pretty much dogging Kyler Murray for being a high school quarterback. Ooh, uh, said he just scrambles around and waits for someone to get open and does not read defenses whatsoever. That's a good point. And, uh, you know, I never thought about that, but he, he made a good point. He said, yes, he's very athletic and talented in that regard. But if you look at the top ten quarterbacks of all time, almost all of them are three-step, boom, balls out. Five-step, yeah. boom, balls out. They read defenses. Some of them, like Aaron Rodgers, can create if they have to. But Kyler Murray doesn't have to. He just doesn't read Instantly. the defense. He just scrambles. That's around. how I play Madden. And the reason that doesn't work consistently is because then receivers are breaking off their routes. It's just not the way you play it's football. It's backyard football. It's backyard football. <laughs> and Kyler Murray is not a good quarterback and he in the NFL. And he looks when he runs. <laughs> and he looks like shy guy. I'm gonna keep saying that until it catches on. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, anyways, I, I do still like the Cardinals over the Panthers. Yeah, even yeah, though yeah. I'm a. North Carolina and the Panthers have not looked good. And the Panthers look ugly this
0: year. Uh, but, yeah, that is uh, technically an upset. So, that'll do it for our week four pre-week talk. <laughs> our talk. Um, our talk. Obviously, the big headline was Tua. All Hopefully, all is well with him. Signs are looking up. But that'll do it for this episode of Two Guys and a Penguin. We will be back with another – week after after this week uh i'm sure it'll be another wild sunday in the nfl we'll be back with our next episode next
1: week but in the meantime hit us up with all your questions about yes. what you should do with your fantasy team who you think is going to win each division in the nfl or any other questions that you yes. have and follow- we will totally ignore
0: them <laughs> <laughs> as we do uh follow two guys in a penguin on instagram the official instagram uh give us a give us a dm let us know what you think um but until then we have uh seven words i think yeah i believe it is
1: and that will be uh, that you penguins, know, penguins can't, can't fly, fly and, can and be, neither can, can we, we. Bye. bye
0: you're listening to two guys in a pink.